Hello, this is Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories, obviously, and this isn't an ad, I promise. A few weeks ago, we were contacted by Sammy from Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. Sammy saw that there was a need for licensed rehabilitators in the Memphis area of Tennessee and set about creating Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation. This autumn, the centre will open and take in squirrels, raccoons, foxes, opossums, cryptids and some species of birds. It costs around $250 to rehabilitate a baby raccoon and get them strong and fit enough to be released back into the wild. And unfortunately, there is little to no governmental assistance for projects such as this. We'll be donating money to Out of the Woods Wildlife, and if you have the means or desire to donate money, you can too. Each person that donates to the GoFundMe in the month of August will have the chance to win Real Life Ghost Stories merchandise of their choice, And we'll pick five winners at random. It doesn't matter how big or small your donation is because every little helps and you still get an equal chance to win some merchandise. We know that it's a difficult time financially for lots of people. So like always, there's no pressure to donate. But if you still want to help out, liking, following and sharing on social media is also a meaningful way to help small projects grow. Go and follow at Out of the Woods Wildlife on Instagram and check out outofthewoodswildlife.org for links to the GoFundMe and any information that you could want or need. The links for everything will be in the description of each episode of 30 Days of Terror and I'll be playing this little message every five episodes or so. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to 30 Days of Terror, day 15. How you do? I know you're laughing at me because I very nearly went 30 Days of Terror. It's very hard to say in an Irish accent. I know, I know. So, you know, I'm finding it very difficult to keep my THs in line every episode. We're halfway there. How are you feeling? We're halfway there. Sorry to everyone who's just been deafened. That's that's how I'm feeling. We're halfway there. Let's do this. Lots of people have been messaging saying, oh, we know this must be so much work for you guys and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's been all right, hasn't it? Yeah, not too it bad. It hasn't been too bad at all. That's no, been all right. I mean, for me, I haven't been working. <laughs> so it gives me a nice bit of structure to my day to edit during the day and then record in the evenings. Whereas Dan actually is still working. So he's the real hero of this situation. Don't really do much, though, do I? Just listen to read to me. It's a lot of time out your evening, though, mm. being read to. Mm. I've got three stories for you today. Uh-oh. And story number one comes from Sarah. I became a believer in the supernatural when I was too young to question such things. After all, I was still getting Santa and the Easter Bunny. My sister, who was two years younger than me, kept waking up at night terrified. She said that the little green alligator men were all over our room and surrounding our beds. I never saw them, but one night I prayed with her for what felt like hours that we would be protected. She did not wake up that night and in the morning we saw the imprint of men's feet in the carpet 
as if a man had stood in that one spot for a very long time. Only these footprints were huge, almost the length of my sister's body. She said an angel was standing there, but she could not see his head because his body went through the ceiling. She never woke up scared again, and as a result I've never doubted the supernatural world. When I was seven and she was five, we moved to Montana. Neither of my parents had jobs lined up and we had very little money, so we had to rent whatever my parents could afford. That ended up being a small, run-down blue house on a shabby street in a forgotten town. The first thing that became very apparent was that the living room was not for us. My mother never told us exactly what happened to her, but we were never to go in there. We did not even use the front door or put any furniture in that room. The living room butted up to the kitchen and from the kitchen we would often hear men having a discussion in the living room. Their voices would rise and fall, sometimes sounding angry or amused. No one in the family ever saw anything in that empty living room, not even an orb or a shadow or a wisp of white. But their voices were just as real as yours is now. The attic where my sister and I had to sleep felt more sinister. For one thing, flashlights would often stop working but start again once you started heading back down the stairs. The light bulb would constantly go out as well, hence the flashlights. The attic just felt sad. We never saw or heard anything up there, thankfully. The only other strange thing about the attic was that our toys would disappear and we never did find them. Now you may be thinking that little kids misplace toys all the time. However, as I mentioned, we were very poor. So we had few toys and we treasured those and took good care of them. They just disappeared. The most notable thing that happened in the house actually took place in the kitchen. My mother had made cookies and the few that were left were in a bowl on top of the fridge. I've mentioned my sister as we were the closest in age but we also had a younger sister and brother as well. Four children and two parents and not enough cookies for each of us to have one. So us kids were arguing about how best to divide the cookies. Suddenly, the bowl flew off the top of the fridge and hit the floor hard, a few feet away, knocking the lid off and breaking and scattering the cookies inside. The four of us stood there in stunned silence. As our mom quickly picked up the mess, she glanced into the living room and then at us. They don't want to hear the kids fighting, she said. Thankfully, we moved to another state shortly after this. I have one more notable story if you want to share it. I was walking through Johnson Square in Savannah, Georgia a little after midnight, enjoying the reprieve from the hot stickiness of the day. I was in sandals and a summer dress and holding my husband's hand as I walked. I suddenly felt a warm pressure on the top of my back foot. The sensation felt like if a person behind you grabbed your arm to hold you. It wasn't mean or aggressive, it was almost polite, like one might do if they needed to ask a question. This sensation did not make sense and while I stood there frozen with one foot forward, My brain tried to understand it. I told my husband that I thought perhaps a squirrel had gotten up on my foot, even though that also doesn't make any sense. 
I didn't feel frozen, but more like I just shouldn't move. So my husband looked down at my foot and assured me that nothing was there. I twisted to look down as well and saw nothing, so I began to move my foot. And as I did, it seemed like I was sliding my foot out of someone's warm, gentle grasp. The only way a hand could have grabbed the top of my foot like that would have been to come straight up from underneath. From the ground. I immediately wanted to get out of that square and I have not stepped foot back in there after dark. It still seems odd to me that it was not a cold, bony, hard grasp as one would imagine something like that would be. In fact, I'm almost positive it had to have been a young woman's hand. Why she reached out and what she wanted, I will never know. That house in Montana sounds no-no. I would love to know what happened with her mum. Yes, yeah, so would I. What in the... Because the fact that when she was cleaning up those cookies and she was like, they don't want to hear the kids fight. Who? Who doesn't? Who doesn't yeah. want to hear the kids fighting? Those I, bodiless men that are in the sitting room. And I'd imagine if you've got two young kids, you want to you want them to have as much space as possible because if they're caged... Not caged up is the wrong word, but if they're like... If they're restricted their space, then they get more agitated, don't they? So Yeah, they start they start acting out because they don't have the space to play. So to be able to to want to to stop your children from playing in an extra room for that whatever reason that is, is must have been really strong reason. And then to hear that all the men talking all the time when they're eating dinner. No, imagine. No. Like and and what what do you do? Do you just ignore it? Do you just pretend like you're not hearing it? Hmm. Like did the whole family acknowledge that okay there's noise there's men speaking in the dining room but or in the living room but we're just not we're just going to pretend that it's not happening what i really so weird yeah what i really don't like about these ghosts is that you know it's one thing like hiding kids toys if the kids got loads of toys if kids have hardly got any toys it's really really out of order stealing toys yeah it is so i just want it on record i hate them ghosts whoever they are they can go jog on and then savannah georgia is like the most haunted place in america i think Oh, is that your opinion? No, I think it's like... Or does it have a title? One of those tags that says that... Oh, Savannah's, no way. Yeah, it's got loads of ghost stories and stuff. I take back my snippy comment then. I wonder if it could be someone lying on the ground, though, rather than coming up through the ground. Oh, potentially, yeah. Like a Civil War soldier or something like that. She said it felt like a young woman, though. A Civil War lady. <laughs> a victim of the Civil War that was female. And our second story comes from Anonymous. And I'm going to warn you before I start this story that this story does deal with infant death. So if that's something that you can't cope with, please feel free to skip ahead. We moved into our current address three years ago. At first everything seemed fine, calm and happy at the new house. However, it didn't take long for things to change. It was mostly little things. One of our cupboards is really hard to open You really have to pull the handle hard. Yet it would be open every single morning. The spare room is always cold. And every few nights as I passed it to go to the bathroom, I would get a feeling of being watched. So I would close the door and sometimes say aloud, You're not welcome here. My husband works away. And I never told him about the feeling from the room. As he doesn't believe in such things. We've heard heavy steps on the stairs, doors knocking, glimpses of something in the hall. Our dog and cat will stare at one particular wall, and our cat even plays by the wall with nothing. 
but it looks like she's playing with an invisible ribbon someone's waving around. She will also scratch at the laminate where it meets the wall on both sides of the same wall, as if she's trying to pull it up. Anyway, the weirdest event I still can't figure out, and haven't found any similar events online. It's also really sad, so I apologise in advance. One day I was kneeling at my bed as I emptied my makeup bag onto my bed, and was sorting through items to chuck away and what to keep. My husband was looking in his wardrobe across the room from me. I felt something push against the left side of my hip, with such force that I physically moved sideways to the right. I automatically thought our Springer Spaniel had lent on me or barged into me, as it usually does, so I didn't even look around, but just moved my body back to where it was and carried on with what I was doing. Only it happened again, but with more force. So I turned my head to tell my dog off, but nothing was there. I turned to ask my husband if the dog was in the room, as the door was closed and I couldn't see him. Our dog wasn't in the room. My husband was white as a sheet. I eventually managed to get him to speak. He said that I wouldn't believe it, but someone or something rushed through me, out the other side and into the wall. Coincidence perhaps, but it makes me wonder if it's related somehow. Because a week after this happened, I had my three-month scan. Sadly, I found out that our baby had died a week earlier. Time passed. Just the usual household activity of noises, shadows, and me closing the spare room door. One evening, I caught my husband closing the spare room door. I asked why he had done so as I was curious to see if it was the same reason. He said, You'll laugh at this, but it feels like someone's watching me, and it makes me feel uneasy, so I have to close the door. I explained that I'd been doing the same thing for a while too. Our house isn't very old. It was built in the 1970s, and I couldn't find anything about the history of the land other than that it used to be fields. I decided to ask my neighbour next door about the house. I told her about the weird things happening and waited for her to laugh at me, but she didn't. She told me that the previous owners used to hang strings of garlic in the house. She went on to tell me that they would use a Ouija board too. Another neighbour told me that a previous owner had been into witchcraft and has sadly passed on. I don't know what's true or what isn't. The only thing that I'm aware of for sure about the house is that the majority of the rooms were painted red before we moved in. Our house has been quiet for a few weeks with nothing happening. My next door neighbour, however, one night, had a series of strange events while she was at home alone. She has three china figurines on her windowsill that look into the front room. She walked into the front room and noticed that all three figurines were now facing the garden and not looking into the room as before. She was a little freaked out, but turned them back around. Later on that night, she went into the kitchen and her roller blind was down. She's never bothered to roll it down in all the time she's had it, so was freaked out that it was now down and she was the only person in the room. She went back into the front room and all three figurines have moved again. Since that night, she hasn't had anything else happen. 
This week, my husband was up early and thought he heard someone walking up and down our stairs. Thinking our boy was messing around, he went to tell him to stop, but no one was there. He checked on my son and myself, and we were both fast asleep. I don't like that. It definitely you hear someone running around and then there's nobody awake. Why are they stringing oh. garlic up everywhere? That's all that vampire shit. Black-eyed children. Oh, maybe not black-eyed... Maybe not vampires. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's black-eyed children. I mean, I don't think there's any garlic in black-eyed children, or is there? No, there isn't. You've just made that up, yeah. Um, isn't it funny about that door that you that's really hard to open and then every morning it's open? Yeah. That... Mm, yeah. And I don't like the story. I don't like the story about our neighbours' figurines turning around. Wouldn't you be so frightened? Because especially something that is a staple in your household, you'd be like, "Oh, that's weird. I'm going to turn it back around now." And then you go back in, and you're like, "Oh, they're I- looking the wrong way again." I feel that's where my chaos is actually an advantage. Because you'd never notice. Because I'd never notice. Because everything's in a different place to where I left it anyway. <laughs> And I can't remember where I left it in the first place. Maybe we could have a house full of ghosts right now, yeah. moving stuff around yeah. all the time. No idea what's going on. And all that happens is I go, have you seen my... Um... Yes. <laughs> and that's it. And they're like, fucking hell, why don't these people notice anything? Yeah. And then they do belly noises. Yeah, they do a little bit of growling. Kaylin messaged me, asking me if we'd seen anything as a result of that. The answer's no. No. And to be honest, I'm not really interested in looking either, so... That um that belly demon can keep 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 growling. Do it do what you like. I've got what I've got a belly demon anyway. <laughs> and our final story today comes from Paul. This was a dream that was very vivid and very real. A month later, and it's still disturbing to me. On an evening a few days before Thanksgiving 2019. My wife and I went to bed fairly early in the hopes to get some much needed sleep before our one month old son wakes up for a bottle. I fell asleep fairly quickly. I dreamt that I was in a dark grey night scene. It was a similar landscape to downtown Bangor, Maine, against the waterfront and surrounding land, but there were no cars parked in the street. There might have been a few stray cars, but for the most part there were none parked anywhere. I'm apparently walking home, although I don't know how I got downtown, and I was having difficulty finding the bridge to Brewer. In the eerie grey evening, everything looked way too much alike. I walked a bit, and then realised it was the wrong way. So I circled around in place and chose another direction and walked a little soon realising that I still wasn't in the right direction. I circled again and chose a direction, and my scenery seemed to be making sense. I was relieved. It was a long walk home, but at least I was on my way. Just as quickly as I was relieved, I was nervous again. I was being followed. I looked around and I couldn't see anyone. Just as I began to relax, thinking it was nothing, A kid wearing black, with a grey mask over his face and a hoodie with the hood over his head, walked beside me, and then in front of me, in a weird motion, like a curling walk. I stopped walking. He tilted his masked head, one way and then the other. He lifted his right fist up, the index finger, 
the only finger not locked in a fist. He lifted his other hand in the same way and used his index finger to purposefully point at the index finger of his right hand. He curled backwards a few steps, walked forwards, and then disappeared somewhere behind me. Glad he was gone, I continued to try and find my way home. That's when I realised. The bridge into Brewer didn't exist, and I was trapped in Bangor. I found myself disoriented in a parking lot. I couldn't figure out how or which one it was. I thought maybe the wing lot where I park my car when I go to work. But I could see Hollywood slots, the casino in the close distance, so that didn't make sense. It was all so weird. I noticed the parking lot I was in had a road going through it. And then it occurred to me that I wasn't in a parking lot, but smack in the middle of a road. It was like I was in a video game where the rest of the map hadn't been unlocked yet. The location inconsistency helped me realise that this was a dream. And I was done with it. I told myself to wake up. It wasn't easy. As much as I tried to wake up, I just couldn't. So I figured since now that I knew it was a dream, I could gradually wake myself up. As I should be in a lucid dream state. So I continued to walk around. The boy in the mask appeared. Just appeared with no warning right in front of me. He had a pocket knife in his right hand. The short blade was exposed to the air. He signals the number one with his left index finger and then brings his hand closer to his chest. He cuts his index finger with the blade. Beads of blood oozed out and fell onto his shirt sleeve. He puts his bleeding finger to his masked mouth. Shh. I hear him faintly. Fed up, I try to wake myself up, but to no avail. I walk around again, saying to myself, This is a dream. I'm dreaming. Wake up. I'm dreaming. Wake up. It wasn't long before the masked kid appeared again. I attempted to walk away from him. He wouldn't let me pass. So I decided to run away. He remained in front of me, refusing to let me through. We ended up face to face, circling each other. All the while, I'm trying to wake up to try and get away from this creepy kid, but no matter what I do, I can't escape. As we circle each other, he cuts his index finger and puts his thumb to his mouth. When I hear the faint shh, he does it all over again. I'm done. This is fucked up. Wake up, Paul, I demand to myself. No luck. The masked kid disappears again. Wake up, Paul, I demand to myself again. No luck. Maybe if I avoid acknowledging the presence of the masked kid when I see him again, I thought. I continue to walk around, hoping I just wake up. The masked kid appears again. I don't acknowledge him. I just keep walking. All the while, he remains directly in front of me. As much as I deny the fact that I can't see him, in actuality, I do see him and I can't ignore him. He seems to thrive on the fact that I can't ignore him. He proceeds to cut his index finger as the blood rolls down his finger and into his sleeve. He puts the bloody finger to his masked lips. Shh. Again, faintly. I began to chant, I need to wake up. I need to wake up. 
As we circle each other as before, he repeatedly cuts his finger and then puts it to his face. Shh. We repeat this cycle several times. Suddenly, in the background, I hear a baby's whimper. It sounded a lot like my son Matthew. I knew it was. I need to wake up, I yell. The masked kid put his bloody finger to his mouth, shakes his head, no, and says shh in the typical fashion. We continue to circle. I continue to tell myself to wake up. Meanwhile, my baby whimpers are getting louder and louder in the background and they're beginning to sound like a cry. As we continue to circle, my wife Katie nudges me. Paul, can you feed Matthew? I finally wake up. I'm lying in bed. I can see my bedroom. Yep, I reply sleepily. Then I'm dragged back into the dream, circling again. Matt needs me, I say to the kid. He shakes his head. No. Katie nudges me. Can you feed Matthew? Yep, I reply. I can see my bedroom again. I'm in bed. As I try to get out of bed, I find myself being pulled back into the dream. I resist with all that I can. I shake my head to wake up and force myself out of bed. I was on my feet. In my bedroom. I touch the dresser next to me to make sure. I'm awake. I walk around our bed to pick up Matthew who is crying in his bassinet. I'm so relieved I'm awake. I take him to the kitchen to get a bottle, heat it up and give it to him in the living room. This was the most vivid dream I've ever had and I haven't been able to get it out of my mind since. It was more like a nightmare. I could smell and touch. Walking in those circles was physically tiring. Was this nightmare more than just a nightmare? That overwhelming tiredness is so hard to break. Do you know what I mean? When you're just so exhausted that I can see this being so traumatising. Because I have it sometimes, don't I, where I am just I just can't yeah. stay awake. And then to have it, to have it to be keep jumping back into this weird dream is must have been really unsettling. In my fa- in my head, the kid with the grey mask has just got like a piece of grey material over his face. Oh, so, of, so it's just like like t shirt or like shirt material, just a piece of grey material with his hood up, and then he's walking in a really weird way. I've already cast it as a short film to freak people. I out. mean, it would be an incredible short film, right? Yeah. But I just, there's a certain tiredness, I believe. I wouldn't know personally. There's a certain tiredness <laughs> with having a newborn baby. I was having this conversation with my mum recently and she was saying, you can never understand true tiredness until you have a newborn baby. And I guess that tiredness can make you have these crazy vivid dreams. Mm. But it sounds like hell yeah like literally hell yeah trying to find your way out of somewhere realizing you're stuck and having the same repeated situation over and over again even though you know you're asleep and dreaming so much like your mind is awake but your body's just too exhausted to deal with what your mind wants it to do have you um ever had a lucid dream no well not like intentionally i've had dreams where i can get myself out of them 
Yeah, I've had the same where if it's too much for me, I can just go, okay, mm. this is a dream and you need to wake up now and then I'll wake up. But I've never been able to like fly or control no, my decisions in a dream. I never feel like it's that long-winded either. It's almost like my mind goes, oh, this is a dream and that's it, boom. I don't have to like talk myself out of it. It's just no, like, I don't sudden... either. My mind literally like yours. Yeah. Just I just say, okay, this is a dream. I need to wake up now. And I'm like, boof, awake. Apart from that one time where the person I was talking to in my dream told me it was time to wake up. That was weird. Do you remember oh, I told you when I was yeah. in that taxi? Yes. And the taxi man said, it's time to wake up now, Dan. Yeah. That's so that weird. That was so weird. So weird. So if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find all of our information on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. There you can find the links to all our social medias, the email address where you can send in your own stories, the link to our Patreon, which is a subscription service where you get extra content for either $5 or $2 a month. On that website, you have the link to our merch too. You should also, if you can, donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation and you have the chance to win some free merchandise if you do. Now that this episode. Thanks very much. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Bye.